It's Mo. What up? What up? What it do? And what's good? What another exciting day it is today. Have you ever ran into a person that complains about everything? No matter how great things may be going for that person, as if nothing is ever good enough? Okay, let me give you an example. The person loses their wallet. In that wallet is three grand, a gift card, a million dollar winning lottery ticket, and two sticks of bubble gum. So they find the wallet, and, and the only thing missing are the two sticks of bubble gum and $400 of that three grand. Now, of course, it sucks that your wallet was lost or stolen. Of course, it sucks that you are missing your bubble gum and the $400. But you, you have so, so many things to uh, be grateful for that remain in the wallet. But all they continue to do is complain about the negative. Okay, so maybe that was a bad example, but nevertheless, have so much to be thankful for. Adversity. Adversity, hardship, distress, misfortune, misery. Adversity is defined as difficulties or misfortune. Look, I have four proven ways to help you overcome adversity, and here they are. One, surround yourself with positive people. Makes sense. Two, write or journal. You know, there is something very peaceful about writing down your thoughts. Three, be in nature. Go take a damn walk. And finally, invest in yourself. Look, if you don't know, you are tuned into another exciting episode of Talk the Talk with Mo, Mo, with Mo Orr. We have so much to talk about today. So before we get started, this will be the perfect time to go and tell anyone and everyone that is not watching or listening to the show to go watch the show and listen to my damn podcast. Oh, I'll wait. Look, I get these questions time and time again. Where can I watch the show? Well, you can watch the show on Roku, Fire, and Apple TV. Just search the High School Narrative. You can also download our free iOS app at www.thsn.today. Watch, submit, and share. I also have some great, exciting news, and that is now we can be viewed on LA36, which is on Time Warner Cable in the Los Angeles area. Also on ATTUverse in SoCal, and lastly on Hulu. So anyone with a smart device and internet connection anywhere on the planet can watch. Oh, yes, and of course, you already know, you can listen to this on Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, and Spotify. Look, we have so many viewers and listeners out there who are asking how can, how they can support the show, so we have developed a Patreon page. Just go to www.patreon.com backslash more, all one word, and please, please, please give us your feedback. All right, this show is brought to you by The Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high protein pack snack to get you back on track, the next stop is the Jerky Zone. Look, they also have so many great fundraising opportunities for schools or, or programs to get 50% back to your program. And TMS Print On Demand Systems. As the industry leader in custom on-demand print systems, they offer complete solutions, program analysis, print production and finishing equipment and supplies, technical support, 
and cost tracking software. And Advantage Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A plus impact to the world we touch. Look, we have a great show lined up for you today and an awesome guest waiting in the wings, waiting to be heard. Let me tell you, if you haven't seen my guests on the other side of the world doing something that he loves to do, yes, he is a Notre Dame graduate, a highly recruited high school basketball player and a partner of an e-sports company that we'll talk about, formerly a modern day monarch, please help me welcome Rex Fluger to the show. What's going on, Rex? How are you, sir? What's up, Mo? How you doing, my friend? Thanks for having me. Man, I'm good. I'm good. I know back to you sitting over there thinking, this guy's long-winded. That is <laughs> 100% true. 100% true. Very impressed, honestly. Well, thank you so much. Um, look, I also got to introduce, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a hemorrhoid, Rex, but I keep one with me daily, talk to him about five times a day. This is my hemorrhoid from the high school narrative CTO, my buddy, Tony Rosignal. What's up, Tony? Hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. Rex, really excited to have you here. So, so proud, like we were talking about before we came on camera. I've known Rex since seventh grade, and that's an uh, outstanding person and, and uh, a high, high character guy. So we're lucky to have him on the show, Mo. You guys have fun. Tony, you know, you say you've known us since seventh grade. We kind of talked about this uh, before. You know, as, as Rex continue to get older, uh-huh, it's true. So, and, you know, I... I don't need to say it. I think everybody know the viewers looking at you. They're looking at me and they can tell that you might still be at least 29. <laughs> Maybe 28. <laughs> Rex, Rex, man. Look, I have a whole bunch of questions, a lot of, a slew of questions. But I'm going I'm to get straight to it. Before we go back to your high school career, I got to ask you one question that is major. Why Notre Dame? Why Notre Dame? Come on, you right down the street from USC. We just, look, I could have dropped you off every day for school and for practice. I could have did anything you wanted, but we needed you as a Trojan, but you went to Notre Dame. Uh, it's, it's funny when people, when you say, why Notre Dame? People always say, why not Notre Dame? Because, you know, when you think about the Fighting Irish, you think about, you know, the prestigious brand, amazing athletics, the tradition that comes around with the school. You know, I didn't really know too much about Notre Dame until I took my official visit there. And when I went over there, you know, they just stole the show. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, all the bells and whistles of a normal recruiting trip, but it was the people, the genuineness of just everything about the school. You could really see that the people in that community really cared about you and that everything that they did was top, top standard. Plus, they were in the ACC, and I knew as a person uh, that came from a family of uh, college graduates, you know, it's very important. No matter how far you know you're going to go in your career in sports-wise, you should always think about the next chapter. And I've always thought about using sport as a vehicle to move on into the next one. But I'm not just, I'm not done just yet, though, with sports. That's good, man. And it's, you said some great things in there that I, we really want uh, kids to understand. Look, basketball and sports are the vehicle to get to your end goal. Um, and sometimes you might play for 20 years, you know, after 
um, high school, and it might take you that long to get to where you want to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the tradition, and you talked about all that. Were you a Were you a USC fan? Who, who were you a fan of? You know, growing up and playing in Southern California. Growing up, it was kind of weird, you know, being in Orange County. Uh, obviously, a lot of people USC, UCLA, maybe are the main schools. Uh, but my dad actually went to Texas A&M. He was originally from DC, and my mom was English. So, like. I'm not gonna go out and root for the football team of Oxford. But, <laughs> right. They don't have one. So when I was out here, I was kind of mixing between. I was kind of rooting for certain teams that my my closest friends were rooting for, just so you know we could keep it cordial. Yeah. And then when it came down to it, Notre Dame was actually one of the schools I rooted for because one of my closest friends was a big Notre Dame family, and it was kind of funny yeah. how it all worked out that way. But you know, when I look back on it, uh, it was. It was kind of a wait and see type of thing when it came to teams. I was it was easy to be a bandwagon of a good team since I didn't have a real one. Yeah, but well, you could you could actually yeah you could jump on it this week. I'm for Oklahoma, just so you know. Okay, this week I'm for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have that opportunity because you say, look, you ain't never seen me wear one of their jerseys, so you know. Exactly. That's like people get mad at me because I'm a Patriots fan. Because you're. Ah. But I've been I've been a Tom Brady fan since I was in second grade. He's a California guy. I followed him throughout his whole career. Lived and died by every game. Cried when they lost both Super Bowls to Eli. Still hate that guy. <laughs> but you know, it just it, I, once I find a team, I stay passionate about it, and that's my team. So you know, the Patriots and the Lakers were always mine. So oh, got, see, we have a bond. We yeah. have a bond, and I know your bond is is, is probably Miles Simon, you know, because he's over there. But it's okay. I'm a I'm a Laker fan to oh, the day that bond, I'm not, That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Look, so I was gonna uh, stand up and give you a stand ovation because, uh, and what I'm gonna say is that uh, a lot of times um, players on the on the West Coast, you know, they leave and they they go to the East Coast somewhere and they play, and then they come back before they finished that journey. And, uh, you know, I, I, my left eye was always, all right, let me check on Rex and see how he's doing. You know, Notre, Notre Dame game was on. I'm like, okay, let me check on it. And you still there, um, going the course. Uh, you were a five-year player at Notre Dame, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, and that's awesome, man. And uh, I know the experience must have been great. And, and we'll kind of go back to that and talk about that. But, uh, you know, I know some kids that are that are watching out here and, and listening to the show, they all want to hear your high school story. So I know that you were, um, you played two years over at, at J. Sarah, but then you, you went over to Modern Day and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to dispel those myths. People have these myths about what's going on at Modern Day because you're not there. But when you get there, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. And we talked before the show, Gary is coach McKnight is is such a genuine person you know can you can you talk about the 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 role he played in your life um playing over there uh under him oh my god coach McKnight has done so much for me not just on the court but off the court he's been a mentor you know a leader a role model a person that really cares about the players that he has no matter who you are as as a type of player too because he's always trying to do what's best for everyone you can see that the way that he takes care of his family you know he's kind of like the godfather he's always going to be there for them he's always going if anyone needs anything he's always going to be there for them and he he considers his former players like his family so he does the same way we always come out 
we go over to Paul's pantry down in San Juan. We always get breakfast together at least once or twice whenever I'm back home, catch up, you know. I get to talk to some of the younger players, give, give them a little bit of my intellect, some of my experience, talk to them like that. And every single time you see them, you know, it, it kind of brings a little bit of joy and a little bit of, you know, pain and hardship because, you know, yeah. if you don't beat a team by more than 30, you're going to get yelled at. <laughs> Especially those good teams. And Paul, over at Paul's Pantry, let me tell you something. This is the third time that you've been on my show. And uh, either I need to see you, get some breakfast or something, because uh, all they talk about is the breakfast and the food that you have over there. So bring some food to talk the talk. Just had to get that out of there. And, and, and Coach McKnight talked about a lot of that he meets some of his uh, players and former players there for breakfast. And that's and that's good to hear um, you even talk about it because that means he was telling me the truth. Oh yeah, that man doesn't lie. Yeah, that's that's good. Well, there's a couple calls that he's asking for. That oh, might not be, you know, quite well, so. Well, he's not lying to himself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it, I love it. Um, so, what was the experience like, and, and did your trajectory change when you went to modern day as far as as far as the recruiting process? Um, kind of talk about that, and then just talk about the recruiting process uh, in its entirety for you, and uh, and how that was for you. Yeah, you know, I was at J. Sarah. Uh, I was playing under Jody Gardner there. You know, we had some good teams, but we didn't really, we weren't able to, you know, exceed our expectations, which we wanted to. But I really was able to make a make a jump on the AAU circuit with my my club team, Compton Magic. You know, they put me in a lot of uh, great venues, a lot of great tournaments with college coaches there watching. And it's kind of like how people say, you know, you're gonna get opportunities, but then are you gonna be able to grab them? And so, but the first part, the most important part about that is, that are you gonna find yourself an opportunity? to showcase yourself. And so I think the AAU scene really put me out there in that way where I was able to be in front of these college coaches. I was able to have them, you know, see how I can play and then follow me a little bit through my high school career. And then once you create a little bit of a relationship with one of the coaches, you know, you keep that. And then once one college coach starts talking about you, then maybe they talk to someone else about that. And so it only takes one really to start, start the snowball effect with the, the recruiting process. And then obviously moving over to modern day, uh, I think that was just another move for me to kind of put myself in a position to find the best possible school that would fit my needs and that I can go and f fulfill what they needed on that squad as well. Yeah, what, what is it like? So what, what was it like for you to have the first, like this is the coach that you see on TV. You, you watching the game and you like, that coach is here at the school and now he's in my house. What, what was that like for you to get the head coach of Notre Dame to now sit here and talk to you and tell you, no, no, we want you? You know, it's a, it's a really special feeling, you know, having any head coach come up to you. I don't even care if it's a high D1. It could be a junior college, it can be a division three, it doesn't matter. If a college coach comes over and tells you he's interested, I think I can speak for all players. It's a, it's still a special feeling. Uh, and obviously when you have a prestigious program like Notre Dame coming to your house, Mike Bray, you know, that just kind of exemplifies it. But, you know, when he comes in, he was just the most nice, charming, courteous person. And you could tell that he was, he, he really wears his badge 
on his shirt where people say he's the loosest coach in America because you know he's just that fun-loving guy joking around and he's got the nice slick back hair you know it's just he's smooth with words and I just knew we were going to get along and plus it also helped that he was from the same area in DC that my father was and they actually grew up around the same area my dad funny story about that is that actually my, my dad was adopted and his mother and coach Bray's mother actually taught at the same school in DC and they knew wow. each other their friends. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I knew it had to be something because I, I, I could have sworn you was going to USC. <laughs> who was, who was, your, who was your, uh, so who was in the top three before you decided? Because, you know, I just need to know. Top three, you know, I, I my top five, it's funny because it was like all scattered around, you know, it was a, it was kind of a tough decision and everything. I was originally always kind of thinking about going to Stanford, but then the cards kind of fell out of play where they picked up another guy in my position. And uh, I was kind of hurt by that. And so I kind of pushed them aside and said, oh, if you don't really want me, I think uh, I can, my, my talents can be better placed elsewhere. And so my top five were Notre Dame, San Diego State, Washington State, Texas A&M, and uh, Cal Berkeley. Ah, Cal Berkeley. It's funny because um, Mr. Casey Jacobson was on this call, and we actually, uh, he was on the show, and we talked about his top schools, and um, he talked about uh, going somewhere else to play, and then they actually, somebody else committed that was around the same, same position, and, you know, stuff like that, which kind of changed things for him to whereas he ended up going to Stanford, which I always think everything happens for a reason. So him going to Stanford worked out for him and you going to Notre Dame um, worked out for you. Exactly. It didn't work out so well for us over at USC, but you know, who cares about us, huh? Huh? Who cares about I, us? Right? I still love, I still have love for USC in my heart. My brother went there for four years. He played on the basketball team for two years. And I have a lot of good friends that played through that program. From Chemezi Metu, Derek Thornton, Jonah Matthews, all of them. So I have love for that program, love for the school, but Notre Dame's still better. <laughs> oh, that, did I you see him? He hit me. He hit me with a jab shot. I was trying to make even you good. Distance. I was trying to bring you up just to tear you down at the end. <laughs> Notre Dame taught me that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, we still gotta listen to the CDC guidelines, and you have to social distance. You can't come hit me, jab me in the back. <laughs> no mask on, you know what I'm saying? That's not no, right. I'm just poking you. <laughs> uh, uh, that was funny. That was a good one. And just so you know, he had the same type of attitude when he played. He used to, oh, no, you're great, and then go down and get uh, 30 or 40. Uh, did you? So I'm going to tell people right now, look, he had some He had some bounce when he was playing. He used to. It's coming back, too. Go people. So you must be doing something for it to come back because – I didn't know if you if you lost the step yet or not, but I was watching some videos and they and I'm a quote. This is a quote. Uh, Rex Fluger, white boy that plays above the rim. That's what they. And when they when they classify you and say you play above the rim, that's making you know that it's not normal for them to jump outside the gym, man. Who was your who did who who did you play against that? Do you, did you make a poster of somebody? Do you have a oh, poster? I was in, I made like an SC top 10 play. And I, I don't want to name names, but I dunked on <laughs> a top recruit in the AAU gym pretty, pretty badly. 
Hmm, I might have that video. It might show up in the <laughs> just so you nah, nah, nah. Um, look, I, I know we're gonna have to take a break in like about five or six minutes. Did when did you tear your ACL? I tore it my senior year, which is like the interesting story because I played five years at Notre Dame. But I, the only reason I redshirted was because I tore my ACL within, I think it was ten games. So I had the eligibility to do a medical redshirt. So I tore it, I think, I forget which game it was, one of the eighth or ninth against Purdue during the Crossroads Classic. And so then during that year, I sat out the rest of the year, then I was able and eligible to come back for my fifth year. Man, two things. So what does it do for you? So mentally, you know, to tear your ACL and you're watching your guys out there battling and you're not able to be a part, what was that feeling like, you know, for you? Uh, it was... It was probably one of the worst feelings ever, especially being a senior year captain and playing. I was playing my best basketball at that time as well. I remember my stubborn ass right after my surgery. Uh, literally the next day we were playing at home against Boston College. I still have what, what, what is, what's called a D block when you get surgery, where it's like an ultimate numbing thing, basically, that helps you not feel any pain. So the next day I wake up, I'm like, yeah, 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 I feel fine, I feel fine. So, I had my dad drive me over to the gym, my apartment, and I walk in with my crutches in the snow to get in there. And I'm sitting behind there all loopy and stuff, still from the anesthetics and all that stuff. <laughs> and, it was, and then all of a sudden, two days later, the D-block wore off and I was just in pain for three weeks. Just, yeah, you know, I don't think people realize the Look, when you see an athlete, you know, you go down ACL, you know, Kobe go down and then come back out and shoot free throws. And I don't think that the people really understand the hard work it takes to come back from something like that and continue to play. Because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they maybe they lost a step or, you know, whatnot. Talk about the work that goes into that recovery. Um oh yeah when they when they talk about it when you're doing you know recovery which isn't it's funny because it's more like torture because <laughs> people are saying like oh yeah you're doing rehab oh that's nice you're going in there you're getting massaged you're getting stretched like no you're literally going through pain like worse pain than what the injury felt like because you have to fight through that every single day knowing that it might not be the same at the end so that's like what we were talking about adversity you know it's when you see these players come back so quickly, you know, I don't think they get enough credit for what they're doing. Like you seen Kevin Durant right now coming back from his Achilles tear. You see Clay Thompson coming back from his ACL tear right now. Everyone's like, oh, they have the money. They have the means. They have the facilities, the people to help them do that. But deep down, it still comes down to their own personal will to be able to fight through that and get through that pain because it's not easy. It's really not. And that's crazy. Do you have a, do you have a, uh, do athletes have a different appreciation for those athletes that come back from something like that? And do you look and think about people who come back too early? Like, man, maybe they should just take some more time because the bubble helped Kevin Durant. No, I'm not playing. I'll take more time. No, I, no, I 100% agree for multiple reasons on that. And I would say as a player, I don't think I genuinely genuinely actually felt you know as you know impressed when I didn't deal with one of these injuries 
I'm gonna be like, oh, that's what they do. I bet I could do that type of thing. And that's kind of the mindset most people have. But then when I went through my injury and everything like that, it gave me a whole new respect level for, you know, seeing players that have come, come through injuries uh, came back even better. You know, it just shows the heart and the hard work that those people put you, that put themselves through. And it's really incredible. And I think for me, when, it, when you were talking about coming back too soon, I felt like I did that last year for sure because I wanted to come back with everything that I was dealing with. I wanted to just use basketball as an escape. I literally started practicing a week before our first game at North Carolina. And I just wanted to get back, ended up having a bone bruise in my knee still, which I actually played with for the entire season. Just wow. because I, I came back too soon. Wow, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, and we needed to see that. Look, uh, Rex, we're gonna take a, a really quick break, man. This is this is so awesome to be able to talk to you and, and, and hear your stories. Um, you know, we're going to continue to fight and talk about that Notre Dame USC stuff because <laughs> it's important and people need to know that I am a fan. So, uh, listen, we got uh, more with Rex Fluger, um, Notre Dame alumni and high school four-star, four-star athlete. And hearing this story right now, I think he's a five-star. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. ProSport Physical Therapy and Performance has been providing quality care and healing results to Southern California since 1992. Our evidence-based physical therapy programs have been proven to reduce the risk of injury. Pro sport's been a great place for me uh, to rehab from my injury. I got hurt playing football, and it's, it's got all I need. The training staff, the, uh, the turf to, to rehab on, and the weight room. So it's been a great place for me. At Pro Sport, we provide customized training programs that will transition you from physical therapy to get you back to your sport. Increase your speed, agility, explosiveness, strength, and power. We have been providing sideline support to Modern Day High School for over 25 years. Experience the pro sport difference and take your game to the next level.
What up and welcome back. Uh, I know you're sitting there thinking, what the hell were they talking about during the break? Uh, you can find out. Go to www.patreon.com backslash more and uh, be a friend of the show and give us some feedback too. I really appreciate your feedback. Look, we're still here with uh, Mr. Rex Fluger. Um, man, he's giving you so much to feed on. If you're not sitting there listening and wondering what they're going to talk about next, then you have to self-reflect, um, just so you know. So, uh, Rex, man, thank you for sticking around for the second segment and the second part of the show, man. Um, we got some stuff to talk about. I do want to talk about um, eSports, and, and, and we'll get to that, um, which is a great platform, by the way, and it's huge. It's huge. Even in high school, you know, they even have esports um, stuff that's going on in high school and tournaments and stuff like that. So we will talk about that. Um, but I have one more question because I, I I just got a, a phone call from a former USC uh, alumni, and he wanted to, me to tell you that you should have went to USC, man. That we, come on, man. He told me to tell you that you should have went to USC, man. Um, hey, so earlier in the show, you was talking about the AAU and you played at Compton Magic, man. How important is that whole process? Because a lot of the recruiting starts sophomore and junior year, right, for, for most athletes. Um, how important is it to pick the right AAU team? And do you think, because that's basically an all-star team, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them get the best all-stars, you know, that's like on the West in the NBA. And then some of them get leftovers like the NBA players on the East. <laughs> I think, it, I, I just think it's so important because I think you want to start playing in AAU as soon as possible. I started playing when I was in second grade. You know, I put myself in the scene. I was going up. I live in Orange County, but I would drive up uh, to LA basically every single weekend. And I'll be playing in tournaments up there, trying to prove myself, try to get better. I always played up, I think, at least a year or two, maybe three sometimes, as you know, try to get myself ready for the physicality for the next level, whatever the next level was going to be. Yeah. And I think by doing that, you're able to put yourself in the viewership of these other AAU teams. Because not only are you trying to get recruited by college coaches and maybe so high schools, but you're also trying to get recruited by AAU teams because you're trying to be on the best one that's going to give you the best opportunity to go to college. And so it's kind of like a mutualistic uh, relationship between playing for your school and playing AAU. Yeah. And when I played for, I think playing for an AA, AAU team, you got to make sure you're put in a position where they're going to allow you to play to your strengths. So they're going to allow you to do what you do best so that the coaches can see that. Because if you're playing on a really good team, but you're not able to show exactly what you're able to do, then you're realistically just wasting the opportunity that you have. Or yeah. whether or not, if you're playing on the AAU team and you think you should be playing one, then you just got to work harder. And you just got to put yourself and make, make sure that uh, the AAU coaches understand that this is what you're good at. This is what I want to showcase. Help me do that. And I think these club teams have been doing an amazing job of that. I think... Like, you know, I can't speak highly enough about Compton Magic. You know, they've always helped me through the recruiting process, always pushed me as hard as they can, really put me in the coach's eyes. So I'm forever thankful for them and in that respect. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, I don't want to say there's any love lost, but then I ended up actually going over to Oakland Soldiers my last year uh, for the Nike circuit. So it was kind of like the Jay, Jay Sarah to modern day move 
Yeah. I'm not saying it's, you know, the same caliber or anything, but ended up going over there just so I could see myself uh, in those, you know, Nike camps, the LeBron camp, the Kevin Durant camp, all that, because I wanted to put myself in the best position uh, to find the best school for, for that would best fit me. Yeah, and I think that shows, it's, it, look, man, at the end of the day, it's, it's a business as well, and you have to do, you know, you and your parents are looking to um, put you in the best position to be able to succeed later on in life, and you know, you, you said that you used to drive down to LA to go play. And as an official, when I first, cause I played basketball in the inner city in South Central LA. And when I came out here and they telling me that's a foul, I'm like, that's not no foul. What are you talking about? That's a foul. <laughs> that kid is call, not bleeding. I don't call any fouls in pickup when I play. Yeah, I, yeah. me either. No, nah, man, go ahead and take it. Take it up top. That's y'all ball. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it's just different. Play. Say that again. I still do that to this day when I'm playing one on one with some of my people that I work out with. And like, yeah. always, I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally different. Totally different basketball. Totally different. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. Now see, that's why you tough. That's what I'm talking about, um, man. So for me, and, and I, I want to kind of talk about the last 30 months. You know, we're 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 sitting here, and you know, I, I do this every day because I am looking to try and help one kid man right one kid you know who's going through some uh tough times and i talk about those ta taboo words of uh suicide and depression and anxiety and self-harm and stuff that that kids especially during these times of covid could you think about if covid happened when you were going through that whole process of playing aau ball and now and, and high school ball and now it being taken away from you for the last eight nine months pretty tough to deal with and these kids are dealing with it and I know over the last 30 uh, 30 months you've, you've had some um, tough times that, that has gone on in your life and, and and first I'll speak to mine as you know I, my stepfather who's been in my life for and I'm only 29 but he's been in my life for you know over 40 years uh, recently passed away of dementia which is a terrible 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 um, disease and it was tough and, and hard, you know, to go through. Um, but I know you also um, lost a parent and kind of wanted to talk about it and, you know, and whatever you would like to tell us about it and how it affected you as a player, as a person, and uh, and things that you're still going through right now. Because I know one thing that it just touched me, you know, we talked about this during the break and you showed me a tattoo and I thought that was the coolest thing ever can you kind of show it and, and kind of explain it to our viewers uh yeah so first of all first of all the story behind it uh my mother she was diagnosed in 2018 with uh glioblast stage four glioblastoma which is uh, brain cancer and it was very sudden uh and you know we found out actually kind of like a week two weeks after we played ucla which was like kind of like my homecoming game type of thing. The thing that my recruiting was all based around almost one of the biggest things saying that if you come here, we'll get you to come back and play on the West Coast so your family and friends can come see. So it was kind of one of those crazy moments too, because we lost on a buzzer beater, heartbreaking one. And it, you know, when I saw my mom sick after and no one really knew, it was, you know, pretty emotional, but we didn't know what it was, the extent of it. She, we all thought it was just because she was so stressed out and tired from setting up. I think I had over, 300, 400 people at that game. So we thought it was that. And then two weeks later, we find out uh, that she has brain cancer. And it, it, was, it was tough, especially being away from her and not being able to be there. 
but the way that she handled it with such grace and such, you know, just love, the way that she talked to me, told me, she walked me through it, basically, even though she was the one that was dealing with it. And the, to go to the tattoo, she uh, ended up having two brain surgeries, you know, to try to scoop out all the cancer. But during the first one, I remember, I just wanted to do something like, I love tattoos, I think, I don't want to encourage kids to get them too young or anything, but if you have something that's super meaningful to you, you know, that's kind of the way that I go through uh, expressing it. So I had my brother take a, a video of her EKG monitor after her first brain, brain surgery. And I, I told her, told him to re record it and s tell, tell my mom that I love her. Like say Rex loves you. And I took the exact heartbeat after the words were said. And uh, I was able to go in the next day and get it tattooed on my wrist. And it's pretty cool. I like the little story behind it too. Just the idea yeah. yeah, that I went in and they told me like, oh, all EKGs are the same. And I was like, because it's the same Harvey model. I was like, no, I want to do this one. So do this one. And actually on the right here, there's a little heart murmur. Yeah. Individualize it, individualizes it towards my mom which I think turned out to be kind of like one of those things that it was meant to be. Yeah. Makes it really special for me. And it's really nice to have because, you know, whenever I go through tough moments, I kind of just reflect on the way that she encouraged and loved me throughout my entire life. And that's able to bring some peace if I'm going through anything that makes me feel anxious or a little bit depressed, knowing that my mom's always gonna be by my side. Yeah, and I look at it too, man. I always say that now I have a, uh, guardian angel you know up there and he's hanging out because you know for you you know those special moments that you shared and, and I think it makes you reflect you know every single day that you know time is, is precious and we're here to uh, make memories and um, impact other people's lives so when I talked about adversity at the top of the show these are things that are really important and how do you get to the other side and you know, thank you for that story because I think it will help so many uh, adults and, and kids to understand um, the value of time and uh, importance of, of family. So, um, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Did, do you do you know if when she found out, did she not say anything for a minute to kind of let you guys do what you're doing, or um, how did that all take place? That's another kind of wild story <clears throat> where I uh, I was actually studying for my final. Uh, it was Thursday. I remember exactly where I was. Uh, I, was I had a final on Friday. Then we were supposed to bust down to Indianapolis where we were supposed to play Purdue in the Crossroads Classic. And I remember I got a call from my dad, you know, or he texted me and it was uh, kind of a weird sketchy text where uh, he was talking about my mom. And I remember reading it and I FaceTimed him just to hear it, like see his face and just know that that's when we found out that it was stage four brain cancer. And I remember emailing my professor saying, I don't like, hey, I have some family issues. I'm not gonna be able to take the test. Can I take it on Sunday when I come back? He said, yeah, sure, of course. And then I wake up the next morning to about 30 missed calls, people saying, hey, you need to take this test or else you won't be able to play on Saturday in the game. So I was like, what? I was like, why can't I take it Sunday? And for some other reasons they did. I wasn't able to take it, you know, on Sunday. So I ended up actually studying for the test on the way down to Indianapolis in the bus from South Bend, taking the test at 8 a.m. in the morning on Saturday. 
and then going out and playing at noon against Purdue, which is actually the game where I ended up tearing my ACL as well. I was just, I, when, when you said, when you talked about the classic, and I'm like, oh my God, this is the same game that he tore his ACL. And I was playing pretty well. I had like eight points, 10 assists, four rebounds, and we were going to win. And that was, that was actually my first uh, Crossroads Classic win, which was amazing. And for the senior year, because the previous three years, uh, we, we were up by 20, I think, all of them at halftime and then ended up losing. And so to be able to go out and win that one, and that kind of showed you the heart of the team, too, because they knew what I was going through. And for them to pull it out in the last five minutes was awesome. Yeah, that, that is awesome, man. That's 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 crazy, man. You know, what, what do you what do you say to some of those kids out there, man, that might think that everything is too much for them to deal with? and then think about what they call the last resort. What would you say to one of those kids? Uh, I just want to say, you know, because I've, I feel like everyone goes through sometimes, you know, of depression and suicidal thoughts. I'm very open about talking about how I feel about things. And it's one of those, you just kind of got to look down into yourself and just realize that your life really is important. Whether or not you don't think it's important to yourself, it's important to other people. And I think that's one of the main motivators in my life, you know, to keep that keeps me going is knowing that it's, it's an easy way out. Uh, and realistically, I do not want to cause harm to the people that I love because there's so many people out there that love you. And a lot of people don't realize that and the people need to know that. And yeah. that's why I always think it's so important that there's other people when you're hanging out with your friends, hanging out with your family, no matter what time it is or how you feel if you're angry with them at least like once a week once a day even you know just remind them that you care about them that you love them and something as simple as that as small as that can end up you know saving people's lives and i think that why the little things are the most important yeah i 100 agree and I, I think that especially during like times like now where COVID is and you know i think it, it probably gave me a sense of you know what let me reach out to this person. Let me, you know how many people you could talk to because you're at home. You're going to be talking to somebody on the phone. You're going to be talking to yourself. And exactly. <laughs> if you're talking to yourself and you answer, you might want to call somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, so but thanks for that, man. I kind of wanted to talk about that real quick just to kind of uh, give us an opportunity to be able to, to, to reach um, somebody that's out there. Um, so, Let's kind of transition and, and kind of let's talk about the esports um, now. Because uh, so you're you're a partner in the uh, esports uh, NACL um, platform. Kind of talk about that a little bit um, because I can't sit here and tell my kids now don't go play video games because some video game people making more money than me. So. <laughs> I know it's hard. That's why that's why I got interested in the in the industry in the first place. It's just that there's so much growth in it and there's so much potential for so many people to come in. I'm a partner and ambassador for an esports company called uh, NACL, as you said, North American Collegiate League, where we're uh, a company that basically hosts tournaments, uh, hosts streams that helps to create uh, brand viewership, expand people's brands, and help players that are really good at video games be able to make it to the next level, whether it's playing in these professional tournaments, joining professional teams, or becoming professional streamers. You know, we, we believe in giving opportunity to these people that deserve it, the people that put in the work, and obviously the people that are talented enough to do it. 
and I'm really excited. You know, we just started up in October, but we're already making a lot of head steam. And I think we got a great crew of what we're doing. And I think the sky's the limit for anyone that really puts their mind to trying to succeed in this industry. Well, look, man, if you need a, a, a teammate and a partner to be able to play, Miss Pac-Man, I am, man, come on, man. <laughs> Dude, they don't do Miss Pac-Man for each sport. They need to look at doing Miss Pac-Man or Asteroids. I was so good Asteroids. at Asteroids. <laughs> and Centipede. Oh my on, God! Man. Centipede is the new. Well, okay, it's not the new, but it's the old. Uh, uh, what's the war game that, that Call of Duty? But just Call different. <laughs> but just a little bit different. Just a little bit different. <laughs> Similar colors. Some of the colors. Hey, so when you guys were when you were going in high school, was esports even a, a a thing at that time where you know people were talking about it? It, it it was a little bit, but not really. You know, you would hear people playing in tournaments, but you wouldn't, you would kind of just brush it off to the side because you knew there was, oh, maybe someone like the biggest tournament that you can play in is, you know, for like $500. Yeah. But that $500 is pretty cool though, that you can play Halo and win that and then maybe yeah. join a professional team. And there's probably what, 12 of them back then, or I don't even know. Yeah. It was something you kind of just pushed to the side. Whereas nowadays, especially during COVID and, you know, the Twitch coming onto the scene and then YouTube and everything where people are able to clip their video game plays and put it on and make it a, it's basically a full-time job what you see these streamers doing. People think it's super easy, but no, they have to learn all the technical skills. They have to have personalities and they also have to be able to be really good at the games. Yeah. So people just think it's like, oh, these video game players are just doing this, you know, they're you know, playing around on the computer, playing games, like, no, like, this is a full-time occupation that they're putting yeah. their lives into nowadays. Yeah. And I think it's pretty exciting, too. I think we talked before the show, too, which is awesome about video games, is that it, everyone starts off at the same level, you know? Everyone has to learn how to play a certain video game at the beginning. Yeah. You know, maybe some people have played other video games that have given them certain, you know, you know, twit, like, fast twitch muscles or reaction times. But realistically, once you start playing a, a game, it's all going to come down to how much work you put into it, how much you love the game, and how much you want to succeed. And that's the type of players that we're looking for. And I think that's what my company, uh, NACL, is you know really great for finding those type of players. Well, look. So here's what I uh, here's what I know. So I have a friend. UFC Four just came out, and uh, my buddy is the. the the trainer in the, uh, I don't know if it's called franchise or lifestyle. So he plays a trainer in it. So look, if you guys need a trainer, look, we can do, I can do hand pushups. I can teach them <laughs> so they can get fast fingers. You know what I'm saying? First it was the Blackberry. People used to have the Blackberry, had the fast thumb. Now it's about the fingers and Twitch. I'm just saying that I can help out. You know, esports hey, is big time now, man. I'm going to get your contact info after this. I got you. <laughs> Hey, look, esports is so big now that they're in Vegas at the Luxor Hotel, I think. They do a huge tournament at the Luxor. That's a big deal. And I'm pretty sure Bigger Legends sold out Madison Square Garden or something. Really? Yeah, I'm telling you right now, people are more interested in watching video games than actual sports right now. That's crazy. Yeah, because I was I was watching. I was When they did the NBA 2K tournament with the NBA players, I was watching people it. And in. don't tell nobody, but I was recording it. Just so you know, so I can watch it. Like, That's awesome. Real, real. Oh, Mo, well, there's actually more people watching esports than the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Actually, the that kid that won the final. The Legends tournament. 
Who's that kid that just won the finals? And I, I, I whiffed his oh, name, oh, but Booga from Fort, Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And when he 15, 16, yeah, 15, 15, 16, and he won what, like three million dollars, three million bucks. But there oh, were more, God. there were more log on viewers there than the Super Bowl. That's crazy, man. And another, crazy. like one more. There's so many people right now, like most popular streamer right now, I think on Twitch, Nick, Mer well, at least from what I know, Nick Merck says, I think on average, like 50,000 viewers every single day live stream. That's crazy. And that's, that's just crazy. playing video games with his boys. Yeah, that's just playing video games with his boys and people just want to watch him play. I, yeah. I, I, I thought my kids was crazy. I'm like, so I bought you a PS4 and Xbox One and you want to watch YouTube and watch some other person play? You could, I could have saved at least $300, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> at least 300 bucks. I even watch video games, it's crazy. That's crazy. And and it's it's so like mesmerizing to sit there and watch kids, you know, like literally. And I don't know if, if they're giving away some secrets and stuff like that of how to play the game. It's and basically like that too. Then people find their own little genres within how they stream. And then obviously people like to watch for the skill level. Yeah. To see, it's basically like, you know, if we watch Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan highlights, you know, yeah. kids are the best of our craft. So kids that are really like game video games, they want to see the best at that game because they're like, wow, that's amazing. And that's kind of the aspect that's incredible for video games because anybody can play them. Not yeah. everyone's gonna be, you know, six, six, six with a 40 inch vertical and be able to, you know, win NBA championships. But yeah. Well, most... thank you for talking about me. I appreciate the shout out. <laughs> you know I was actually talking about myself. Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, I know, we, I know we, we're running short on time, but one thing I want to talk to you about real quick, man, is is about your grades. Going to Notre Dame, playing sports, you know, I think it's so important that kids understand that um, at some point the ball's going to stop dribbling, don't, you're going to stop throwing it, you're going to stop kicking it, and grades are super important. Um, how was that for you, uh, going to Notre Dame and, and uh, do well in school as well as play basketball? Uh, I thought it was probably the most important thing my parents always you know they said it was sports and school it was never one or the other you know if you're going to do one well you're going to do your best to do well in the other as well and so whenever I did you know in high school I did pretty well you know I had over a 4.0 but like you know I was always making sure that I was on top of everything so I was eligible to play basketball in college you know in Notre Dame uh, it became a little bit of a different beast but then you started to you, I think the thing that helped me especially is that you got to enjoy the learning process. The idea of learning new things and be able to articulate, to be able to speak on new things and not be dumbfounded when someone brings up a fact or brings up a question. Yeah. I, I find there's something really interesting and, you know, it's almost kind of like an ego thing. Yeah. You're able to speak onto a certain, certain subject matter. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's almost, you know, it gets you revved up. And that's why I think it's helped me, especially going into my last year of school, I was able to obtain my uh, MBA in one year because I was able to, uh, Notre Dame offered a program where I did a 10 week intensive course over uh, the summer to basically knock out all my credits for the first year of the MBA and then jump into my second year during the season. And I really found kind of joy in that and learning about the process. I was, you know, learning about different types of businesses, learning about the intricacies of everything, how it worked logistically, you know. And I found it really insightful that 
I was, I also, if I didn't know anything during those classes, you know, I would obviously fail because I'm surrounded by these business professionals who have come back and it's really cool. So I think I had so many people in that program that helped me. So something that's important too is finding a mentor that really kind of pushes you during that time to want you to succeed in school. You need someone that can say, this is why you need to do this. And this is why it's so cool. And usually the reason why it's so cool is because you're able to speak on things, but you're also probably going to be able to make money off it, which is nice. what catches the people's Yes, that's right. That's And it's important. So uh, thanks. I, I, I just wanted some kids to hear that, man, because, you know, okay, that was for my kids because they think, <laughs> but I had to get it out there somehow. Um, hey, so look, I, I usually ask a, a start a statement um, towards the end of the show and then um, give you the opportunity to finish it. Uh, you can take it as literally uh, literal as you want, um, or you can think back. And once I start it, you'll kind of understand where I'm where I'm mm, coming I from. I got you. So I'm gonna start that, and it goes like this: I am here because I am here because I am here because I want to be able to make this world a better place, no matter how big nor small. Is so awesome, and I love the simplicity of it. It's, it's literally that simple. Some yeah. people be like, "So I'm here because." So what, how do you really want me to answer that question? I'm like, "You just ruined my moment. I can't even." <laughs> no, hey, man. Yeah. Keeping it simple is the best. I, I think, yes, that's true. Make things easier. It makes simplicity just be simple. Um, man, I, I really want to thank you for your time and and uh, coming on and, and impacting these kids' lives. It's it's uh, really important. I know that um, once the show ends, I'm, I have another question for you, but that'll be some stuff for, for after the show that we can put on something so people can go watch it. Um, but I really, really appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, your story is phenomenal. Uh, it, it touched me in a lot of ways as there's a lot of similarities um, there. So thank you so much and I appreciate that. Um, Tony, this is this is what I'm talking about. This is awesome. You don't need to respond because now it's time for us to go. That's what I typically do. I start to ask him a question and then I cut him off. So it's all good. It's all good. So thank you, Rex. Look, and thank you for taking some time out of your amazing day to listen to my annoying voice. Look, please join me next time where my goal is to make you smile, make you cry, and or make you laugh. But if I fail to do either of those, my goal is to educate, encourage, and inspire. My shows will cover anything and everything from high school education, high school sports and athletes, and all things around our adolescent. I set out to interview educators, athletic directors, principals, and amazing people like Rex that wanna help make a difference and impact your lives. My hope is to share my passion for education, high school extracurricular activities, and, high, and uh, higher learning. We will continue continue to focus on topics that will further our educators, build our community around education, and topics that may be taboo, but save a life and stop the bullying. Look, if you're out there and you're feeling alone, depressed, suicidal, or need someone, please know that you're not alone. Just pick up the phone and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And you can call them at 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255.
or call our friends over at 417 Recovery. Find me on social media anywhere on Twitter at Mo underscore or on Instagram at Mo VHS Narrative and make sure to comment on any of our podcast apps. I will leave you with this. Take some time to do something nice for someone else. In turn, someone will do something nice for you. Stand up for those that may be weak and be a voice for change. Stay motivated. And yes, pun intended. And remember, when adversity comes, look it straight in the eye and say, I'm strong, I'm loved, and I will overcome you. I gotta go. You have been watching and listening to Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. For Tony, for Rex, I'm Mo. Until next time, be the voice of change. Two fingers, spread them, deuces. Thanks for watching. Later.